Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD innovation. So this is Dr. Gregory Goodman from The Modern MD. I've got Dr. Mitesh Patel, who's a board-certified general internist, physician scientist, and entrepreneur. He's an assistant professor of medicine and healthcare management at the Perelman School of Medicine and the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Mitesh is a co-founder of DocFin, a New York-based startup that strives to improve the application of evidence-based medicine into clinical practice. As a physician scientist, Mitesh studies how we can utilize innovative technology and connected health approaches to passively monitor activity and how we can use health incentives to motivate behavior change. Mitesh, welcome to The Modern MD. Thank you for having me on. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about you personally and your journey as a physician entrepreneur and physician scientist. Sure. So, you know, I've been doing things, interested in technology and then also medical research for a while, about probably going back until when I was in college and started working with uh, a health economist and thinking about how the healthcare system works and how that fits into the practice of medicine. I went into the medical school at Michigan and was in the dual degree program there, but decided to apply out to a program that had a healthcare management major. And so I ended up at coming to Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania and did my MBA there. And that's when I really started to kind of network with other folks that had been working in the industry, both in entrepreneurship and then also doing more research in the the fields of behavioral economics and connected health. And from then on, I went into residency training in internal medicine and a fellowship in the Robert Wood Johnson Clinical Scholars Program, where I had two years to focus on health policy research. And it was kind of along that path that I we came up with the idea for Docfin and launched that startup, which is um, kind of really taken off now. I and mean, then I continued to kind of focus that around my my research interests and so on. That's the, the things have kind of grown from there. What an incredible journey! Really, really exciting. And and it seems like you're playing in a bunch of really interesting and exciting spaces in healthcare. So, the way we like to start the modern MD off is with a success quote. Do you have a success quote that's important to you? You know, I think one one of the I don't know if this is a specific quote, this is something that I, I kind of live by, you know, is, you know, one of the things that you were, um, where everybody's always thinking about different ideas and thinking about, well, maybe I should do this or maybe do that. And I think once somebody told me, you just got to get started, like just, you know, maybe don't go all, all the way and dive in, but, you know, start taking, you know, if you have an idea, start exploring it, start expanding on it, try to learn from what you find, whether it's successes or failures and use that to grow. Um, folks that kind of you know, are hesitant to get started and, and really look at the opportunities and spend a lot of time end up just never getting going. So the, the most important thing is to just get started. I love that. You know, you just got to kind of dive in. You don't have to go all in. You, you can dip your toe in or put your foot in, but you know, getting started and, and not kind of uh, you know, wasting any time, I, I think it's uh, really incredible. So I'd love for you to talk. We're, we're going to shift to what I'm terming the white coat to business suit. I know you still practice, you're kind of a physician scientist, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey and 
and how you kind of made that transition into entrepreneurship. Yeah, sure. So, you know, the, uh, my startup, Docfin, is a medical research platform that's available on uh, iPhone, Android, iPad, and also the web. And, you know, how we came up with the idea was that as me and my, my colleagues were going through our medical training, we started to realize that a lot of the things that we were doing at the point of care required us to kind of pause and then go back to either a computer or a desktop and log in and spend five minutes routing through our medical library to get the content we wanted. And it just didn't fit into the way that healthcare was evolving. It was hard to access medical research. It was hard to apply it to patient care because um, it was so hard to get. You couldn't get it on your phone, which is what everybody was walking around with. Um, and I, as, as you mentioned, spend a lot of time doing research. And so was was interested in coming up with a way to be able to unlock the potential of medical research at the point of care. So, you know, came up with the idea somewhere along kind of our medical school MBA training with some of my colleagues were kind of thinking about different ideas. And one of my co-founders, Sachin, who was um, in business school at Columbia, came to my apartment one day and looked at a stack of medical journals on my coffee table and said, you know, what is this? I'm like, you know, these are journals that pile up and, you know, maybe uh, once a month or whenever I get time, I just kind of flip through and and make sure that I haven't missed anything. He's like, well, it looks like to be, he said, that it looks like to be 10 or 12 different journals here. How many articles out of this big pile are you really going to use? And I was like, you know, typically I find maybe three or four articles that really matter and then maybe a couple more that are interesting. You know, he immediately said, you know, this is just really inefficient. And we started talking about how we could transform this into a digital solution. Started working with one of my other colleagues, Derek, who I went to medical school with, who's now uh, an attending at UC San Diego, and started thinking about ways that we could come up with a platform for physicians, providers, and other folks that are medical professionals to be able to access this at the point of care. I love that story, and that's so cool how it started just with a pile of journals and and a friend of yours probably outside of healthcare saying, there's a better way. So that's that's really cool. So i love to shift into what I'm terming the idea to venture, and I know you touched on how you started DocFin. I'd love if you'd share maybe some lessons learned in the trenches or, you know, failures along the way that things that you learned kind of just going in and, and getting started. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think one of the most important things looking back is that when we started DocFin, you know, we didn't do it to start a company. We were doing it to solve a problem. And I, I often, you know, think that that's probably the best approach. Doesn't mean you can't have the idea of coming up with a company in mind. But, you know, when, when we approached it, we were thinking, how can we solve this problem for ourselves and then our colleagues? The way it got started was we just kind of you know, told some folks that the institutions that we were at, three hospitals at that point, and people started using it and really kind of took off and word started to spread. We started getting emails and things from other universities across the country saying, hey, our friends who we went to college with or our med school at Penn or UC San Diego or Michigan and are using this, we want to use it at you know, Emory, U Chicago, and so on. And we started expanding pretty quickly. And I think that was one of the points where we really, you know, didn't, didn't really, we didn't foresee that coming. And I think that, you know, at some points we expanded too quickly and at some points we didn't expand fast enough. And I think that was a challenge. And some key insights that came from that were really understanding the, as you start to expand, really understanding who the audience is at, at other places or at other levels. So, for example, we had launched in residency programs um, where physicians were in training. They're relatively young. How does the how does the solution adapt to folks that are in medical school or um, folks that are older that are practicing physicians? And for each of those different audiences, there are subtle things that are different. 
And I think, you know, when you're expanding rapidly, you tend to kind of skip over that. You're just trying to, you know, repeat what you've done a bunch of times. So I think that iterative process and learning how to really segment the market is something that we learned as we went. I, the, also, the, also, the other thing I think that was an important lesson for us is we actually started this on the web really before iPhones, you know, when we started this probably when iPhones, right before iPhones came out or when it was about to come out. And so I think we were a little bit behind getting on mobile. And we quickly saw that people were accessing this on their phones through their Safari browser. And that was an indication to us that we needed to, to really step ahead and, and jump to that. And now mobile is, is probably our predominant platform. I think about 75 to 80% of our traffic is mobile. And it makes sense because that's really at the, where you are when you're at the point of care and, and on the go. It's really awesome. And, and do you mind sharing? I know you, you shared you know, a few lessons or success lessons, but what, what do you think is the best kind of success lesson that you've learned being an entrepreneur? You know, I think the the best thing that I've learned is that you know, you often as an entrepreneur, you 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 start solving a problem or you start a company with a specific idea in mind, and oftentimes you think about that, you think about what solution you can bring as opposed to what problem you can solve. And oftentimes, what I what I've, I've seen not not only in our own in my experience, but with others, is that people get really tied to that solution as opposed to getting tied to the problem. The, the subtle differences there are when you're tied to the problem, you're able to more quickly adapt and evolve the solution or sometimes even come up with a different approach to that problem. When you're tied to the solution, which many entrepreneurs often are, you're often, you're often slow to see signs that things need to change or evolve. And I, I certainly think that when we started, we were really tied to the solution and we started to learn and hear about the problems. You know, one of the biggest, I think, things that helped us with that was that we started an ambassador program where we had people from institutions, whether they were medical students, librarians, physicians, or nurses or pharmacists reach out to us and say, hey, I love this platform. I'd love to be a beta tester. And you know, what we did was we created an ambassador network where those folks could get to do product testing early and could be our voices on the ground, not only with marketing, but with collecting feedback. And that helped us really shift from focusing on the solution to focusing on solving the problem. And then we were able to better integrate that into our workflow and, and help our product evolve to really meet the needs of our users. That's such incredible advice. And I, and I think it's so important. So those listening, it's all about the problem and, and making it easier. And, you know, if you're flexible with how you can solve it or your approach, I think that's so important. So I want to shift into what I'm terming our business rounds. So these are not our typical hospital rounds. Me, Tasha, I'd love to ask, what is the best advice that you've ever been given? That's an interesting question. I think when it comes to business, again, oftentimes you're tied to this problem and solution. You, you, you know, everybody thinks they've got the greatest, you know, we thought we had the greatest app for medical research. You know, that doesn't mean that customer that you're serving with the product is particularly the one that you're paying for. So one of the, the first things that some of our advisors told us when we were looking at how we would start turning this idea into a company was, you know, who is your customer? Not, not just who is your user of the product, but who is the one that's going to take this and be able to turn this from uh, an idea and a nice kind of kind of a nice to have to like a need to have. Who like needs this in order to help their business or their you know whatever they're doing really successful? And I think that started to help us focus on who are the various people, whether they were um, residency program directors who want to help their physicians be trained in a more evidence-based environment whether it was industry folks who wanted to really get a quick pulse on, you know, what's the latest medical research that's trending or who are the key opinion leaders that are publishing articles, or whether it was the, some of the users who are just more engaged or just have needs beyond the average user that we could meet with some enhanced features. That's awesome. 
So one of the things I love to kind of study, and you know, you're you're a scientist, and you know, one of the things I've kind of studied with, with the physician entrepreneur community is, you know, what are people doing on a daily basis? So do you have a daily success habit or a morning routine that you'd be open to sharing with us, and maybe how you start your day? Yeah, so you know, the day itself, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, with an entrepreneur is very different, where, depending on you know where you are, what you're doing, and so on. But I think one thing that I try to keep constant is I try to try to create a list and in that of, of things to, of my to do. And I try to break those things down on, you know, what are the top things that I need to get done today? What are the top things that I need to get done this week? And then what are the things that I need to get done in the next one to three months? And that helps me kind of prioritize things for today because often, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's an endless amount of things you can do. Um, and really understanding what's most important to get done now in the, in the short term in the interval term and in the longer term can really help you to not only prioritize what needs to be done now, but prepare for what needs to be done later. Because oftentimes, if you're focused on just today, you know, there's, there may be a big meeting that's coming up two weeks from now and you don't realize it until the day before. And, you know, you should have reached out to someone to get some advice and it's too late now. And so that really helps kind of keep me in focus in terms of what I need to be doing on a day-to-day basis and in the long run. That's really great. I, I love that. It's lightning focus, but also kind of you've got a plan that's uh, prioritized and in place to, to really be successful over time. So one of the things that I'd like to ask you, and what are your thoughts on, on healthcare trends and, and some of the exciting things that you're doing from a research standpoint? Yeah, so you know, my, back, my interest and background in research is in the field of behavioral economics, which is understanding how to use incentives to help motivate behavior change. And I'm specifically interested in digital health or connected health approaches. And I think there are a couple of big trends that are, that are making these things more meaningful over time. So the first is that there is a shift from, you know, the, the, the way that most of healthcare is focused, most of the resources and the finances is what goes on within the four walls of a hospital or what goes on when you're face-to-face with a patient. What we're realizing or beginning to understand is that you spend, even if you have a chronic condition, you might spend three or four hours with a physician over the course of an entire year, but you spend another 5,000 waking hours doing everything else in your daily lives, whether it's deciding whether or not you're going to go to the gym and exercise today, whether it's choosing what you're going to have for dinner and whether or not you're going to have dessert. And then if you're on a medication, whether or not you're going to take that medication or follow whatever clinical plan that your physician or providers have had. And those daily behaviors really help to really have a huge impact on how your health evolves over time. And so I think there's been a recent recognition of that. So there are policy changes that are now, you know, hospitals are now forming accountable care organizations where they're responsible not only for what happens to patients when they're within the four walls of the hospital, but also what happens to them outside of the hospital. And it really brings some of that risk to the healthcare system. And so healthcare systems really care more now or have an incentive to care more now about what's going on in the everyday lives of patients. The second is that healthcare financing is shifting focus. So there are now, there's been a new stimulus with the Affordable Care Act into the pool of wellness incentives. So wellness incentives are typically incentives that people get through their workplace, through their insurance program to do things like exercise, take your medicines, and so on. And it used to be that 20% of health insurance premiums could be used to motivate people or, you know, either give people rewards or, or if they don't meet goals, to give them penalties for things like losing weight, quitting smoking, and so on. And that has now increased to 30%. Or, and if you target tobacco use, is as high as 
if you take the average person that has about a $6,000 health insurance payment over the course of a year, that means that $1,800 to $3,000 can be used as incentives, either as rewards if an individual meets their goals or as penalties if they don't. And that really gives us, you know, an opportunity to be able to figure out how to motivate people. Now, the challenge is that there hasn't been much research done in that area. And so my focus is really using behavioral economics, which has really helped us to evolve our understanding of how to motivate people. So standard economics assumes that people are perfectly rational, that you, you know, you lose weight because you know it's good for you. You don't smoke because you know that can cause cancer, and you take your medicines because that you know that can keep you healthy. But, but we know that people don't do that. People, people know that smoking is bad for you, and they continue to smoke. That's because changing behaviors are hard. But behavioral economics assumes that people are irrational, but they do so in a predictable manner and from a common set of decision errors. They tend to be very present biased. They tend to be susceptible to um, emotions. They tend to be more encouraged by variable reinforcement than by constant reinforcement. And we can use some of those principles to help us design incentives, whether they're financial incentives or social incentives, to motivate people to be more healthy. That's really exciting. You're, you're doing some incredible work on the research front, as well as with DocFin. And Dr. Mitesh Patel, thank you so much for joining us on The Modern MD. It was an honor to have you on the show and uh, really excited for uh, your continued journey and success. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great to share some of the insights. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.